The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 155 for Monday, June 9th, 2008. <laughs> Thanks, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton here in San Francisco, and John is back in Connecticut, and the technology and Dave, gods are smiling. You sound marvelous. I, I uh, Thank you. I, you sound better than I would expect on a, a uh, potentially temperamental hotel connection in a, a town where there's a trade show with all sorts of computer geeks. Right. <laughs> I'm amazed. Yeah, there, well, there's two trade shows, right? There's this big American with disability. Yeah, no. Diabetic, right? Diabetes Association uh, show is happening. But uh, I'm on the Rode Podcaster, Mike, which is very similar to me, Mm. to the Heil PR40 that we use when we're in our home studios. But it's a great little, it's a USB mic, so it's all in one. And not only does it have, obviously, a microphone with sound input, but it has a headphone jack, so I get sound out through it. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. The setup I have right now, I I hear a little echo of myself, but... Mm. uh, good my, my throat shot because i had been traveling and i had a big saturday night and blew out my throat otherwise we're good and uh yeah you showed me that mic earlier that has a bit of heft to it it looks like a potentially serious mic so it's good to hear it uh, uh i think for the first time i don't, I don't know if we've uh, used it before we have we have not been able to we uh every time i've traveled the bandwidth has been terrible or you've traveled or whatever we're good here. Yeah. We're, we're getting some of that clicking issue, which I have to now think is uh, an issue with the sound in Intel Max, at least in the way Audio Hijack Pro records things. So, well, and the uh, you know we all have our ACs on. Uh, probably, I should. <laughs> I have a better reason than you, and that the uh, it went up to over ninety today. Right. Well, now the, the clicking that we get is this. It's a weird audio thing, so I'm hoping, mm. I'm hoping it stays at bay today. Okay, moving right along. So you are at WWDC. Today was the opening big deal. So yeah, I'm here at, uh, in San Francisco at WWDC. I went to the keynote this morning, and uh, it, uh, it was good. So you've probably read that Apple announced the iPhone 3G, and I, I assume you saw that, right, John? So what's, um, in a nutshell, though I think I know the answer, but what, what is good about 3G versus what was before? Right. So previously we have what they called 2.5G, uh, essentially what generation of the cell phone circuitry or data circuitry over the cell phone networks are we using? And yeah, and I'm talking actually with really, I think this has relation to speed, right? It, it, ver- in, it, it, is, it is speed. That's all it is. Uh, okay. Well, it's obviously technology that allows the speed to happen, but, but the end result for you and I as, as users is speed. So the bigger the bigger G, the bigger speed, hopefully. You got it. Okay. That's right. Go on. And, and so this one, it's yeah, probably about three times as fast uh, the network is as the previous, previously available on the iPhone. They kept showing specs that said, you know, it's, it's three times as fast as downloading you know, this particular web page over Edge, which is the two and a half G network, and then it's only you know a couple of seconds slower than rendering over a Wi-Fi connection. But it's important to note that mobile Safari, which is the browser that's on the iPhone, is 
pretty slow. So really that couple of second gap that we're seeing, it's not that 3G is necessarily approaching Wi-Fi speeds. It's that we're approaching the limits of what mobile Safari can do. And of course that could change you know, if they recode it or do whatever they do. Okay. Now, talking from a position of total ignorance, because right. I was didn't have a chance to look at what, from what I saw perusing it, looked like very thorough coverage of the event. But um, um, the browser, there, there's one thing that, from what I hear, is missing in the iPhone browser support for a very popular, uh, you know, animation display format. Has flash fixed? Yes, flash. No, no, uh, no okay. flash support yet. Uh, and it remains to be seen if we will ever get Flash support in the iPhone, right? I think Adobe was quoted as saying, uh, we're not sure. So, uh, Okay, to me that's a, a somewhat of a showstopper, unless you can tune your website to say, oh, look, here comes an iPhone, right. I won't use Flash, which I'm sure people are, are doing. But right. what a pain in the neck. Really I'm the, sure it has know, the, the horsepower to, to do it, it's just is somebody willing to roll up their sleeves and develop a plug-in. Um, yeah, and figure it out. The, the thing is, though, you know, for for most of us, all right, we're having some audio issues. We'll see uh, see if I can stitch this together. I keep adding more delay to my signal, uh, more buffers, which adds some delay, but I can live with it. Uh, so, as I was saying, the three G speed it really isn't the big deal for me. Um, although I'm not sad about it. the The big deal, I think, is the pricing. So. The 8-gigabyte version of the iPhone 3G will sell on July 11th when it comes out for $199. That's huge. I think that's going to drive more sales of this thing than the 3G speeds. Because remember, 3G speeds are only available if you're in an area that has 3G speeds available to it. Most major cities do. In fact, I think all major cities in the U.S. do. But many rural areas, including where my home is in, uh, in, in Durham, New Hampshire doesn't yeah. so uh, you know it's 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 one of those things where I, I think i'll go and buy an iphone now or at least i will after july 11th but uh, i won't be using the 3g speeds in durham because we don't have them so. yeah did i see now the entry level price is now going to be 199 for 199 the very, the very basic okay that's that's something new right yeah yeah 199 for the 8 gig and uh 299 if i'm not mistaken for the 16 gig nice yeah, it's great. I really, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they say that they've increased battery life, which uh, I think makes a lot of people happy. But it's important to note that the 3G iPhone, they did not, and Apple did not announce pricing today, but all over the web people were reporting in conversation with AT&T that it's going to be an extra 10 bucks a month on top of what the current iPhone plan is. So right now, if you have an iPhone... You pay an extra 20 bucks a month for unlimited data. That will stay if you're a 2.5G iPhone customer, i.e. I, I, original iPhone. The iPhone 3G, I believe it's going to be 30 bucks a month. So bear that in mind. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're growing. I, I can't wait because, you know, I have a you know, corporate plan. It's pretty good. And uh, I don't think they offer the iPhone, at least not, well, Verizon. So... Well, they're still they, doing the CDMA thing. If they cut a deal with AT&T, right. they might. Um, because it, uh, mm. Apple is really pushing into the enterprise with this. They've got full exchange server support. Well, and I saw that. that. Now, that was part of the SDK 
or well, the phone just to, to place it or kind of both? It, yeah, it's, it's really the developer part program. Of, it's part of iPhone 2.0, the, the, the exchange server support. So that will roll out as well, uh, I believe, on July 11th. The, the interesting thing, though, is Apple has essentially entirely revamped .Mac. So let's talk about that. Uh, first, though, I want to talk about our first sponsor, which is Barebone Software. At barebones.com, you can get Yojimbo, which you've heard me talk about this before. Yojimbo is an organizer for everything that doesn't fit into your address book, email client, calendar. It's a repository for all that stuff that you just want to collate, but the data type itself isn't really related. You can put text files in here. You can put audio files in here. You can put PDFs in here. You can put pictures in here categorize them any way you want and pull them all together syncs with dot mac which we'll talk about in a minute here uh pulls it all together all available barebones.com people that i know that use it love it everybody that i know that uses it loves it i use it and love it check it out barebones.com yo jimbo so dot mac dot mac will now be called mobile me and you ask why did they change the name well first of all change the name because it works on Windows now. <sighs> the enemy. And you know, so I just got, I, I didn't... Okay. And it works on Windows. Windows? Wow. Well, yeah. well the, Dot Mac, kind of, parts of it, a lot of parts of it already work with Windows, but I guess this is fully supporting the whole cross-platform network-based thing. Well, yo, so what it does is it takes your contacts, your calendar, your email, and effectively now it all lives in the cloud and syncs down. So just like if you have multiple Macs and you're syncing your contacts and and your calendar down, now you can sync that with your Windows machine. And over the air, you can now sync it with your iPhone. So it's essentially... So uh, So where does it live on the Windows machine? Uh, inside inside Outlook. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So it's like a conduit. Okay, to tie the Windows app to the the cloud. I, I yeah, exactly. It. It's it's nothing. It's nothing revolutionary. In fact, they they probably didn't change anything on the Mac. They definitely added something to the web interface. So there's a cool iCal like web interface where you can drag events back and forth, and you know, made it very sticky. They enhanced mm-hmm. the mail web interface again. They enhance the address book web interface, and there's a thing with iPhoto where it can send your photos up and all that good stuff. But really, it's it's dot .Mac sync for mm. all devices, including the iPhone, uh, which is great. I mean, it, it, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to downplay what this is. I think it's fantastic mm-hmm. uh, because it would be great to be on my iPhone, you know, if I had one, which I will, uh, and, you <laughs> know, change the an event on the calendar and just, boom, have it ready to go on the Mac and you know, all my Macs. So, Okay, and they, uh, you know, kudos to them. They got the news out because I, I in my mailbox uh, this evening, I got an email, an important message for .Mac members. Right. And basically it's explaining, hey, we've we've upgraded things. And, and yeah, the, the thing I found most compelling looking through this email was the, the, the web-based app. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're at your computer. Awesome. That's exactly right. Very, it's very cool. So that I think that's a huge deal, um, and obviously it'll help them sell, you know, more iPhones and 
probably wind up helping them sell more Macs when people realize they'd mm-hmm. rather do it mm-hmm. on a Mac as opposed to their... Were there new, machine. uh, new machines or... No speed new machines. Or, In fact, no, no speed bumps or nothing, right? No, no. The only hardware announcement today was the uh, iPhone 3G. I think, and I think they, hmm. they didn't want to steal any thunder. They did announce right. that they were going to talk to developers this afternoon about uh, macOS, I believe what, what's going to be 10.6, which they're calling Snow Leopard. And they issued a press release about that uh, earlier today, just reading from the press release. Snow Leopards optimized for multi-core processors, and they've got a couple of new things in it. One of them is what they call Grand Central, which allows the uh, OS and applications that you know, tie into the Cocoa framework to use graphic proce- GPUs, the graphic processing units, more efficiently. Uh, includes out-of-the-box support for Microsoft Exchange 2007 and iCal address book mail, and Oh, and it in, includes an update to QuickTime that they're calling QuickTime 10. Now, when we'll see this, uh, their, their announcement said about a year. So, no, no pricing. Really, more for developers to get them ready uh, for next year, presumably, when, when this thing will hit the street. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the 9 to 5, we're actually, um, I'm one of the early adopters, but we're migrating from notes to exchange. Oh, that's huge. Fortunately, there's a client for the Mac folk. That's right. Yeah. As well as the window folk. But um Yeah, we'll see how that goes. That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh okay, so I think we've gone through the Apple stuff, right? The Apple announcements. I'm sure we'll have more as uh as time goes by. Before we get into the questions, John, I, I want to talk to you about something. I bought one of those Kindles, and I think I mentioned that last week. Now, the Kindle, for now, those who, of you who don't who know, sells that? it's who Amazon. Sells that? Amazon. Okay. Yep. And so it's a pretty cool device. It's uh, you know, about the size of a small piece of notebook paper, if you will, and not a whole lot thicker. It's got, uh, I think, 180 megs of usable RAM in it. And the real focus of it is that you download books to it and read books on it. Uh, you can also subscribe to blogs, you can subscribe to newspapers, you can su- subscribe to magazines, and it's got an EVDGO card built into it. So when you subscribe to, say, you know, the San Francisco Chronicle or the Boston Globe or the New York Times, it just magically comes down to the device. You don't even, it comes with a oh. USB cable, but you don't have to sync it to your computer. In fact, you go to Amazon on the computer, you say, I want to buy this book, send it to my Kindle, and it's there, like right away. It's really so we're talking cool. coverage pretty much like, you know, cities or... or I get it at home. EVDO. Okay, yeah. so anywhere maybe you, you get a cell phone, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, anywhere Sprint's got cell service. It'll do EVDO, I think, if it can. Oh, it's nice. Not. And, and it pushes, so you can do online and then it pushes it to the, uh, the yep. device? And, nice. and you can even, like for a book, you can go and download a, a preview, a sample for free. Read the first chapter... And then if you want to buy it, you buy it right on the device and uh, pulls it right down. You can browse the store from the device. It's even got a, a web browser in it that you can use to browse websites. But it's a little weird. And the reason it's a little weird is because the display is unlike any display I've ever 
done any reading on before. It's not a backlit like LCD or LED display. It's what they call electronic ink or electronic paper. I think you know a little something about this. You've, you've talked about this before, John. Um, yes, I've uh, suffice to say without <laughs> getting in trouble. Okay. I, I, I have seen early versions of this, but basically the, the point that they're at right now, it's a company it was founded in around 1997 uh, based on research as a lot of very cool technology is, and this one seems to be commercialized, uh, starting at the MIT uh, uh, Media Labs. Okay. Um, so e-ink makes something they call EPD, electronic paper display. Uh, the, the one unique characteristic about it, which is just very well suited to certain apps like books or right. displays, is that what they have is... is um, and we'll link to their site, of course, but they have a picture showing this, and what they have is a little thing called a microcapsule. And the thing is, is that it's a little, just imagine a very tiny little ball, one side is black, one is white. Okay. Each one is charged. Now, of course, a lot of displays operate on voltage or charge or whatever, so imagine this, what happens is the little balls are just kind of swimming around in this fluid, I believe it's a fluid, and if you charge what's near it one way it rotates you charge it the other and it rotates the other way but it doesn't flop around because it's it's it maintains its state the end result being if you program something on the display and then you take away power it stays and as you i think uh pointed out dave they're nice and bright very good contrast great outdoors uh, i think in in yeah. low light you may want to have a display just like a piece of paper but it, i think that's what they were really striving for is it's very paper-like and that it, 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 i think you're you're going to back this up dave it, it you know in dark or light with, like normal paper it, it it's paper right it, it's like yeah that's it it's exactly right it's like paper uh you, yeah and you can't read in the dark just like you can't read paper in the dark but the viewing angle on it i mean it's just like paper i can get as flat as i want and as long as my eyes don't go underneath it I can still read it totally fine. Obviously, it's more comfortable mm. for me to read straight on, as it is probably for most of us. But, uh, but you certainly could read at any angle, and it's, uh, mm. it's totally fine. The refresh on it, though, is pretty slow when you compare it to LCD or LED. When you hit next page, or even if you're typing on it, it's got a little keyboard so you can do searches on their store or type in website addresses or whatever. Mm. Uh, it's slow, like probably a second time yeah. you hit a key so so it's like rotating the you know these little yeah. balls i guess but yeah. uh but still the 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 ability and and we've actually dave seen this in in a couple of different things like for example something i did a little write-up about a while ago and we talked about lexar makes a jump drive that has a display it's yep. like a little fuel gauge and that's an ideal application because you don't need to know the capacity you don't need power after the thing's been unplugged so what a great opportunity for a you know, a display that holds on to what was last written to it. So, uh, so let's go. Now, though, how do you like the, I don't know, I, I just never grokked ebooks. just, you know, you drop it and it breaks and the, the, the DRM, it, to me it seems cumbersome, but I don't know, your experience may be different. So, yeah, clearly if you drop the thing, it's not like dropping a paperback. You're, you're in trouble, right? But other than that, it's, it's thin enough and it comes with a little cover uh, that, fits into that's it's like a little leather bound cover that makes it more like a book and certainly protects it in my briefcase or whatever. Uh, the way the user interface is, is along the right hand side, there's one big long button 
for next page. And then along the left-hand side, uh, there's a, a slightly shorter button for previous page and then also a smaller button for next page. So you can hold it in either hand and, uh, hmm. and, and read because chances are you don't have to go back as often as you're going forward. And you can set the font size on it. The reading experience on it was fantastic. I used it on the plane. I've used it in the house now. I've read before bed. It, it, it works everywhere. And, and for those of you who were uh, listening last week, they did not make me put it away during takeoff. Now, I didn't ask, but they didn't come to me and tell me to turn it off during takeoff. So, uh, let's see. And, they, and they did walk by. I was right in row five on the, uh, on the JetBlue plane coming out. Nobody said anything. Ooh. Well, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know what that means, but that means they will next time because we're. we're I'm going to make a little call here. They're watching. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, and if they do, that's fine. I, yeah, I believe that they shouldn't, uh, but I'm also not going to be the uh, the poster child for that particular crusade. Do we move on to? Uh, do we have anything else on on the Kindle there? I, oh, so my lone complaint with the Kindle, it mm. supports. Uh, you can download audio audiobooks to it from Audible. Uh, you can also put music onto it. It has a little SD card slot if you want more storage. Oh, and podcasts, right? Yep. And you can put podcasts on it. Sweet. It's got a headphone jack and a speaker. But the problem is with the Audible wireless? books, you can't... Wireless audio? Say that again? Wireless audio, maybe? No. Yeah, I mean, that'd be fun. Anyways. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Uh, so my lone complaint is you can't register it as an audible capable device hmm. connected to your Mac. You have to connect it to a Windows machine or use Parallels to authenticate it to your Audible account, <sighs> and then your audible audiobooks will play just fine. So there's my there's my lone complaint about it. Well, it's just sloppy. Hmm. Oh, well. Uh, well, how many people are going to buy a Kindle to listen to audiobooks? You're going to read on the thing, so maybe it's not that big of a deal. Well, the ones that do will be. Shaking their disappointed. Fists <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we move on to our questions here, John? M- move on. Okay. Uh, let's hope this is going to work. So, uh, Ryan. Ryan, we have some follow ups from last week. And Ryan starts. Hi, John and Dave. This is Ryan from Baltimore, Maryland. I loved your uh, episode on uh, the talk about the crossover and uh, using that as an emulator. And my question is. Can I use that or um, the Darwin to um, run Netflix, the instant online um, watching on my MacBook Pro? Um, that's been really bothering me that I have to uh, turn to my PC to uh, use that service. Thanks, and I look forward to uh, the solution. Bye. You got an answer for him, John? No. It should bother him, but um, but I do believe they have a site for the from the makers of the... Uh, Software and they list uh, they list a couple of uh, or they rate applications, right? Um, and basically, it's support, no support, somewhat support, and and I think this one falls into the uh, not really. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll work. Like I think it needs too many Windows routines uh, that Darwin or Crossover doesn't support. Yeah, so Crossover is is. Excellent. And, and actually, I got to, you know, that's a good find, Dave. But uh, 
you know, they, they do the best way they can if you write a proper application that follows all the rules. Of course, sometimes to do something cool, you got to break the rules, and then you break things like crossover, which assumes that everybody's going to, you know, go by the published standards. So that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Uh, we also talked about, we had a teacher write in, call in, I think, asking if there was a way to share his screen with his students. And we got a lot of responses about this one. And we'll let Troy boatload. go first. Hey, John and Dave. This is Troy from Dearborn, Michigan. Long-time listener, couple-time caller. And I'm calling in response to show 154, I believe it is, and Tim from Southern California, who is looking at doing online um, meetings with his students. What he needs to check out is Dim Dim. It's D-I-M-D-I-M dot com. And I think that will probably do exactly what he is looking to do. It's the listed as the world's free web meeting where you can share your desktop, show slides, collaborate, chat, talk, and bro- broadcast via webcam with absolutely no download required for attendees. Um, this is probably lining up with exactly what he wants. It's open source. And I forgot the, the guy who started it started something else as well. But this looks like it should do it. Um, and I'll take a quick chance to plug my own podcast for specifically for middle school teachers. Yeah, go ahead. They can check it out at Middle School Matters on iTunes or at middleschoolmatters.com. Um, this is the part where you cut me off. All right, we'll cut you off. We'll let you get your plug in and we'll cut you off. I want to, uh, before we move on to a couple of other screen sharing solutions, I want to talk to you about our second sponsor for tonight, which is Ecamm Networks. And this month we're talking about PhoneView, which is a desktop app that you run on your Mac, and it allows your Mac to talk to your iPhone or iPod Touch. Now, you can use your device as a disk. so You can save files to it. You can also read files from it. You can see music pull your SMS messages off from it. You can see your call history, and all that stuff can be exported over to your Mac and saved. You can see the photos that you've got out there. If you have music on there, and let's say, uh, John, you had an iPhone, you came over to my house, we could copy the music from your, your, uh, your phone to, to my computer. It'll, it'll let you back that stuff up. You can see your contacts. You can even pull the photos off. This is phone view. And it's 19.95 US, and you of course can download a free demo at ecam.com. That's e c a m m mary mary dot com. Phone view from ecam network. So that looks pretty cool. If you've got an iPhone or an iPod Touch, that's uh, hmm. you can text files, PDFs, Word files. I don't send them all to the Notes application for reading and editing on the go, which is pretty cool. I don't have either. Maybe you'll have to change that, John. <laughs> Maybe you can change that. <laughs> uh, so Louie uh, wrote in, and in addition to Dim Dim, he also mentioned two oh, other, yeah. uh, or actually maybe three other solutions. One's called uh, View, V-Y-E-W, which lets you do live web conferencing. V-Room, uh, which allows collaboration for three people. And then... You can use Stickam, S-T-I-C-K-A-M, 
which uh, allows broadcasting, which is pretty cool. So, uh, and Louis is, uh, he uses these in his teaching at uh, his place of employment. Cool. And actually, we did get some feedback. That I, I think the consensus was WebEx is good, but it costs money. So That's it's right. a good cross-platform. And, and the environment I use, that, which is corporate, um, it tends to work out because I guess the, 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 the cost versus flying or driving to meet somewhere is, is less than. <laughs> Significantly <laughs> so. less, yeah. So in that context, it makes sense. But uh, but yeah, if you're in a educational or other other world, well, now these are awesome. I, I I just gotta applaud the listeners for sending us all this stuff because I didn't, you know, I, I I didn't really spend a lot of time looking into this. But it's amazing the number of solutions there are for remote uh, desktop and control and viewing and stuff like that. Along those lines, Keegan wrote in and said uh, he had an idea. Of course, Ustream popped into his head, and, uh, and we mentioned that. But he wanted to point out that he can also use the application CamTwist, we'll put a link in the show notes, to broadcast his screen directly on Ustream along with the audio. And he says it's what all the major Ustreamers use. And what CamTwist does, it's actually really cool. It lets you feed. Uh, it doesn't work with iChat. I think it only works with Skype and other video applications where you can set the camera but it effectively creates a virtual camera so you can take your your desktop screen or a portion thereof and feed that in as your cam twist uh, screen or cam twist video stream and then that gets broadcast instead of what your camera is showing which is actually pretty cool so you know i I know in the old days when i had a, a removable eyesight oftentimes i would take it off my screen and aim it at the screen to show somebody something. And with CamTwist, which is free, you don't have to do it. So you should go check that out, too. I, I, I'm going to go put it on my machine, and I'm sure I'll wind up using it while, uh, while Skype chatting with, with friends and family. I'm going to insist my family install it, too, so if they have questions, they can just show it to me. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, think we're, I think we had a little audio hiccup on, on, on our Skype end right there while, while we were talking about Skype. Uh, okay, we have time for a couple of uh, new questions. Should we, should we go to Josh here, John? think so. Go yeah. for it. Let's go. This show's going to be a, a mess for me to go and yeah, edit anyway. It's chopped up into about six sections right now because of the yep. audio issues. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's push the pedal to the metal. Hey, guys. Uh, Josh here. I have a few questions regarding boot camp for Leopard and figured you would be the people to ask. I'm going to be making an XP partition to use every once in a while when I need Windows for work. Um, my first question is, how much drive space should I devote to the XP partition to make sure I have enough? Should I be worried about viruses from the Windows partition getting over and affecting the Mac partition? I will be using virus software on the Windows side, but I just want to make sure my Mac side will be okay. And last, uh, what are your opinions overall about Apple's bootcamp? Uh, thanks, guys. Keep up the good show. All right, you want to take the first one there, John? Yep, and I got space? the answer because okay. Microsoft has the answer. How oh, much disk space do you need? Yeah, how much? Uh, one and a half gigs. What? That's not enough. Well, for Windows X? <laughs> no, of course not. And and that was my yeah little jab at system requirements when, when they said ah. 
Oh, to use this, uh, okay, a little hidden agenda here. So right. obviously that's that's enough to install the OS, but not much else. Um, to me, it's, it depends on what you do. So, for example, my work machine where I do development and, and office and office stuff and you know create documents and specs and stuff, I got about 70 gigs taken right now. Now, oh. on my, my uh, Mac... Where I do Windows, but kind of a lightweight, you know, maybe you know, Office, a couple of different apps. Yeah, I have about thirty. So wow, I'm going to float out. Uh, the thing is, I, I uh, at the the nine to five to do some evaluation. I had to set up a virtual machine, and it was with another emulator, I think. And I said, I'm like, oh, you know, ten ten gigs sounds right, and. Nah, it wasn't. So huh. that's why I'm I'm wary because well, I was trying to set up a development environment, so that's a little okay. different from an office environment. But still, if you're going to install the full office suite, you know, ten, uh, so I uh, thirty, maybe a maybe twenty. I don't know. What do you think? But one is uh, you know clearly one and a half by the the spec is way too small. Not enough. That's five, right. maybe minimum. 10, 20, 30, you know, keep going. I mean, storage is cheap now. I mean, you know, we've got terabyte drives and all that. Not in portables, though. Portables, I think, are still, what are we talking, 300, 400? So for me, I set it up with 5 gigs. Now, five? Well, because all I use okay. it for is running Internet Explorer and some very small Office. Windows apps. No, I don't. Maybe. I use Office on really? the Mac side. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, all right. So five. yeah, for my needs, five is enough. And I use I don't use boot camp anymore. I use a parallels image, which at least in theory will allow me to expand if I if I decide I need ten or or more than that. So Well that, yeah, that's right. I found something about that, if I could interject, but Yep. I found a few articles. We'll link to them, but they suggest that even even so parallels apparently has a utility. Though I haven't used it, and I don't think you have either, but that allows you to grow a drive image. Now, right. from what I've seen um, looking online, that the, the, the Windows side doesn't always deal with that well. Um, and there may be some Windows utilities you have to run to kind of recheck the partition and resize it and stuff like that. So uh, uh, I found a couple of things. It's not definitive, I don't think, but it's it's a little warning so I guess the best thing is, you know, if you can do a good guess to start. Yeah. Because <laughs> resizable partitions, because I think, well, even boot camp, right, Dave? The, the the utility is kind of flexible in what it lets you do with the partition that you're on already. Yeah. Now, let, let's – I know we want to answer his virus question, but let's jump to the, the boot camp thing. And I also want to clarify, with Parallels, I'm not using a separate partition. I'm using a mm -hmm. – file, a physical, you know, a file that's stored, saved, just like a Word document uh, on my hard drive, and that's the drive image, if you will. Mm -hmm. With Boot Camp, you use a separate partition, meaning you carve off a segment of your hard drive that Boot Camp right. sees. Now, OS X, since Tiger, will allow you, uh, using the built-in disk utility commands, now these are disk utility commands from the terminal, not disk utility graphical but mm. will allow you to resize those partitions and i've seen it do it safely i've never seen it munge a drive but it scares the life out of me so I'll just mm -hmm. say <laughs> yeah. i mean that's just how it goes so. 
Uh, so, I, yeah, I think I, I think I think what you said was valid, John. You've got to come up with ahead of time what are you going to use, how are you going to use Windows, and then assign your space accordingly so that you hopefully don't have to do resizing down the road. And that, for me, is actually the reason that I prefer Parallels over Boot Camp. Boot Camp, of course, is free uh, if you have Leopard. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you can't run Boot Camp side-by-side side with your Mac. And for me, I only use Windows apps occasionally, so it's not like I need to reboot as a Windows machine. I just want to boot up mm-hmm. Windows while I've got all my other Mac apps running, do whatever I need to do in Windows, quit it, and then still have all my Mac apps going. So I prefer Parallels or VMware over Hello? John? Yeah? All right. Do you have an opinion on that? Mm, I would say uh, the one thing you touched on is if if you can, depending on how you're set up, to try to have your, well, I don't know if this is good or bad, try to have all your documents in one place. So, so you got to think a kind of a storage strategy. Do you want to store the OS and apps? Okay, that's a good place to start and then kind of detach documents from it because that that may make it a little easier for you to figure out how to lay out a drive if it's just doing apps and and the operating system you won't have to think about very wild swings if you store everything else on you know especially a network drive or something like that so just something that just popped into my head well with, with parallels and i believe vmware does this too you can store all your documents on the mac side and yeah. access them no, from i know parallels place. Yeah, I just installed it recently. And yeah, they, they allow a shared you yep. know portion of the hard drive, which is... Uh, so you may want to think about, yeah, where to store your documents, because depending on what you're doing, if you're downloading you know movies or pictures or something, it may get unwieldy, and you may not want to always back that up or just have it as part of your main installation. You may want to store it somewhere in common. So moving on. Moving on. Uh, okay, so to answer the question about viruses... No, you'd need to worry about it on the Windows side, but not the Mac side. And I've never seen a cross, you know, emulator, (laughs) the, you know, virtual space virus. Maybe somebody will figure it out, but yeah. All right. Uh, I think we've been through enough here, John. I have no idea how long we've gone because we've used about 18 different audio files. So now I get the esteemed pleasure (laughs) of stitching them all together for you you into one, uh, one file for you to hear. Hopefully I can do that before I go to uh, have dinner with the lovely folks from Casemate. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so let's go through some of this stuff. I don't have our vamp band thing for some reason on this machine. I don't know where it went, but uh, it's not there. So uh, we won't have the band vamping right here while we do this, John. But uh, this will be converted to AAC by Michael Johnston. Hosting is brought to you by Cashfly, meaning that's all the bandwidth it takes to get from us to you. Provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com. And the podcast marketplace this month includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Page Sender from Smile on My Mac, Phone View from Ecamm Networks, Harmon-Etravel.com, and of course, one free download from Audible at audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab. And... Uh, I think that's it. Oh, you want, we got to tell them how to contact us, John. Uh-huh. You weren't here for this part last time. For the, for the very oh. 
That's right. I was going to mention that I didn't get caught. No. Oh, that's um, good. But if I did get caught, <laughs> the first thing I would do is call 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. Oh, and good one. You can uh, email us to feedback at com or Skype us to MacGeekGab. And with that, uh, I'll see if I can fade the band in here. There they are. Let's hope it doesn't click and clack with all that audio. And if it does, I'm just going to let it happen. Yeah. Uh, a successful travel show, I think. I have to listen the, and see. As best as we could expect. There it is. There's all that audio clipping. Sorry, folks. I'm just going to let that ride out. And then I have to say for the record, I didn't get caught.